Welcome to Hit The Six. Uh, we're back with another episode. Slightly delayed, recalling on a, what, what is it, Wednesday the 23rd of September. After Michael, you were, you were hit by the lurgy on the weekends, taken ill, so we couldn't record. How are you? Feeling better now? Um, yeah, I'm fine. It was a bit of a rubbish Saturday and Sunday, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I just get a migraine every now and then, and then kind of knocks me out a bit. But I did rediscover Football Manager towards the end of the weekend, so that's all good. How about you, Rob? How are you? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, doing fine. Frustrated at the latest impositions on our freedoms, but I nonetheless understand them. Um, but yeah, otherwise can't complain. I played cricket for the final time this season on Sunday in a, in a very low-level, relaxed Sunday game. I bowled some off-spin, I batted four. Uh, took a, a sharp slip catch as well that I was very proud of. So, um, yeah, in, in fine spirits, all, all said and done. Is that your final game of the season? Uh, yeah, so I, my season was frustratingly cut short by coronavirus because I had a holiday booked to France. And so I went on holiday, missed a game because of that. And then the two-week quarantine after meant I missed the last two games of the season as well. So I missed the last three league games. So I threw in a Sunday game at the end just to... Yeah, satisfy that the final itch before the long wait until April 2021 where we'll no doubt be playing with latex gloves and with a, rub, with a mask on and all the rest of it but hopefully we'll have a full season next year but uh, yeah it was good to get a game in at the end I quite fancy batting as you off spin Rob I think it'd be a really good fun I mean, there wasn't a lot of flights I'll tell you that much um, it was I got a wicket got a 12 year old number 11 caught an extra cover off a full toss last ball of the innings really good Really good. Yeah, and I celebrated big time. Um, <laughs> also, was there a send-off? Uh, there, was no, there was no send-off, no. But he, had, he was hopeless, bless him. Um, he was an okay bowler. He just could not bat. And, but he managed to club me through the leg side for four. Very small boundary, I might add, and fast outfield. Um, but it was... That kind of slightly riled me. Did you come off the long run? I remember once when yeah, you were playing no, no, together no, no, and you went and put your studs on. We're not having the story about the long run. I think you've already told it once this podcast. We're not having the story about the long run happening again. Um, but <laughs> I, I did the equivalent of that, which was I trying to basically throw it down a bit quicker on a Yorker as like a, like an, like a faster arm ball type thing. Um, and I put my back into it a bit. And it ended up being a sort of knee-high full toss that you shit to extra cover. And I got him out. So it, it worked in its own way. But I, I don't, not sure off spin's ever really going to be my... A future. So when the when the the medium pace seamers pack up, I'll have to focus on being a a brigadier block with the bath instead. Yeah, no, I think to be honest, I think there's a place for medium pace seamers throughout your throughout your lifetime. It doesn't matter how slow they are; they can be slow to medium, wobbling a little bit. I think you could be. I think you could do what you do to about seventy. I'd say pace yeah, probably won't drop too much. Yeah, I hope so. I don't think. I don't think. I think I'll be okay. But it's definitely something I need to ask. Need to, I've probably got another 10 years before I really need to start looking into it. But I think when you hit your mid-30s, you have to start thinking about that, that transition into old man cricketer. Uh, what can I keep doing and what have I got to, what have I got to leave behind? Yeah, 30s. Maybe you're a specialist captain. Well, yeah, famous, the second level at university got promoted. So they're, they're, there's my captaincy pedigree. I reckon I'm, I'm primed for... More glory to come. Uh, but anyway, talking about cricket, the one thing that hasn't been so good in my life over the last week and a half now is, well, a week ago, wasn't it? England making us look like idiots. Having proclaimed them to be the number one uh, ODI side 
ever pretty much bar maybe an Australian side in the 90s they're one of England's greatest ever teams of any format they go and throw away the final game yeah that was unfortunate and to blow that record of having not lost a bilateral series um, at home since 2015 that went out the window as well what are, what are your reactions to that to that defeat against Australia I think it was a week ago today well it did make me think we don't know much because we spent the entire podcast as you say lauding that team lauding Adil Rashid is the finest spinner in a format of any England, any England spin bowler. And he obviously got pumped in the final over. And the, the big show took him downtown during the innings. And everything just went wrong, didn't it? Which was a real shame. I think I also was a bit rude about Tom Cohen. He's one of the better bowlers in that series. So really, maybe we should just pack it all in. Um, but no, I was frustrated. And my dad was found it amusing how annoyed I got. Because I was really sanguine during the West Indies series when things went wrong. You know, when we lost first test, that sort of thing, because I like the West Indies. As soon as Australia beats us, I hate it. I absolutely hate watching them celebrate and be happy. Um, that I've just got no room in my heart for sportsmanship when it comes to Australia. Our last year abroad, I suppose. But yeah, I was slightly frustrated. I thought it was a weird decision to bowl Rashid in the final over. Even though Very I do back Rashid, I would normally, you know, you, you'd go, if you've got an over, of your, your seamers who are bowling well left, and Rashid's gone tonk, got tonked a bit. I don't know. And you always feel like bowling the leg spinner just needs one big hit to go their way and the game changes and that's what happened. We saw it with Zampa in the, the T20 where um, Moeen and... Josh Butler. Butler. Yeah. Something. And Zampa was bowling really well. Zampa was very, very impressive throughout the, the tour here. And so, I, I, you know, I just think, although limited overs have been a great, the limited overs game and 2020 has seen spin bowlers become crucial to teams. I always think a good example being Son on the Rhine with the Kolkata Knight Riders in the IPL a few years ago. He was one of those real first limited over spin specialists that flourished. And Rashid has flourished and Zampa has flourished. And there's a great place for spinners. At the end of that final over, I do think you're, you're not too quick seamer. You're Tom Curran, you're Chris Shaw. Not your express pace man like a Mark Woods, because I think they're too prone for the, that big swing that takes a uh, an edge that flies over the keeper for a four or even a six. I think you kind of your low eighties man is your is your option at the at the end always really. Or, or someone who can just really nail his variations. Chris Jordan, although to be honest, he's better at bowling penultimate overs, but he's a good good example of that. Like he can normally do it, and it matters. I don't think the variations need to. This is with with this will be the third podcast in a row with mentioned the great Jade Dernbach. It doesn't have to be slower ball, slower ball bounce. Or, you know all the tricks out of the back. I guess I suppose not variations. I mean like skill set would be the other England term I use. But like nails the Yorkers, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or it's... Nails whatever the strategy is, slower ball bounces or you know taking the pace off it. I think Yorkers is the best way to go. But nails what they're aiming to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, I think you, you can keep it simple. You maybe bowl in your six in whatever combination. Really, two Yorkers, a slur ball, um, maybe three Yorkers, a slur ball, and two back of a length. Obviously, nothing in that sort of length full slot that you can put your hands in through. the breath zone. Um, but anything back of a length is up, up in amongst the kind of in the guts, lower rib cage, and then a couple of Yorkers, a slur ball in whatever combination. That seems to always work pretty well for, for any bowler. And with the leg spinner, yeah, it just, it just didn't work for Rashid. It, I, it rarely does. So I, I felt, I don't feel, I feel we can continue to big up Adel Rashid. He's a fantastic bowler. And um, 
and, and you know what? Um, Maxwell has he's got, obviously got unbelievable talent and you kind of feel like Australia don't really use him well. Gets shifted up and down the order a lot. Gets dropped a fair amount. I don't think him and Smith are particularly close. I think he's had issues with, like, if he's fallen out of players and that set up. So I think he is due those kind of innings. And I was also quite pleased that Alex Carey scored runs because while it annoys me when Australians do well, I've always quite liked Alex Carey because I'm quite fond of the Adelaide strikers. I think he's a really good player and he hadn't shown it at all this summer. And those, I think Mike Selvey, who I respect quite a lot, was being very rude about him on Twitter. Like others were as well, and I always thought Carey was a class player. He looked pretty good in the World Cup last summer, and so I was quite pleased he got a ton. If anyone's going to get a ton, well, it was his first ODI ton, which surprised me because he looked really good in the World Cup last year. He is a, a superb player, really. I think he's really, really rate him. On Maxwell, though, interesting that you say. I, I was struck; it was only his second ODI hundred, and he's been around limited overs cricket in Australia for a long time. And he, he, he doesn't perform that often. I know given the big show, he can score really quickly, hits lots of sixes. But he's not as consistent a performer as one um, would hope, I think. So I understand why Australia have dropped him, moved him around the order, that kind of thing. Because he hasn't really put his name out there and said, yeah, got to pick me. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your man, like others who maybe can perform more consistently have. It was, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think part of it comes from being moved around and not backed in a position. I don't know, it's probably fair to say he hasn't taken any chances either. Um, one good moment was watching Joe Root get David Warner out. That was fun. Oh, that was great. An absolute jaffer. Yeah, what a ripper that was, hey? Great, Paul. Reminded me of my off spin from the weekend, I tell you. Superb. Golden. Oh, that, one tur- that one turned, Rob. <laughs> yeah, there was no turn. That I will admit. Um, <laughs> um, but no, no, you know what? It's still a good summer. It's still a good summer. At the summer. last thing on the ODI that I wanted to say was the a key turning point. Ultimately, England would have won it if Joffre hadn't overstepped. Um, yeah. Fought down at third man, and brings me to a wider point. How unacceptable is it for international cricketers to bowl no balls? I know there's the whole like to get the maximum pace, you push yourself right to the line, but. Well, Do you think, for, you me, it's, for me, it's as, it's as unacceptable as a tennis player foot faulting. Well, you know what? I think the international bowlers haven't been getting called on it, have they? This was the first series where the umpires started calling it, and so no balls actually started getting called. Until now, they only check when there's a wicket. The third umpire, sorry. Um, until now, they only check when there's a wicket, and so there's a surprising amount of no balls when there's wickets. It's like, oh, what are the chances? Because those are the only ones they're checking. Because on pitch, umpires have just stopped bothering to check on the hole. And I think if they're not checking, then the fast bowlers stop thinking about it, which is, yeah, I'd agree, unforgivable, but also understandable if they're not getting checked for it. So hopefully now, through technology, they actually know whenever they overstep, they're going to get called on it. It might see them change a bit. Interestingly, that was Joffa's first no ball in international cricket, but I bet it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fair. The first thing he got called on—that's interesting. It took it. Took. I mean, and he's been in the—he's been in the game for a year. Played unbelievable amounts of cricket. Bowled some of the most deliveries in the year, and that's his first no ball. Like, like, that can't be right. I wonder if all the wickets off no balls, whether international cricket is a game of fine margins, and whether that extra quarter of a yard that one might gain from a no ball or a big no ball, um, maybe this can be the difference between, like, on that one, if he's got a big. Bit big on Alex Carey, uh, a little bit bigger than he, he might have expected. And had he been behind the line, perhaps he, he could have had more control over the shot. Maybe not. 
I don't know. I think there's so many like there's so many irregularities of how fast bowlers run and then bowl. You know, you just like look at Mark Woods changing run up over the years. I don't think that it makes that. Like, I I I wouldn't say it would make that much difference because of how different people's run ups are. Um, and there's loads of bowlers who bowl from a fair bit behind the line. Um, also, Joffre regularly just gets it to jump up out of nowhere. It's like one of his talents, isn't it? And actually, what would be good to talk about just briefly when we're on Joffre. How much better does he bowl for Owen Morgan than he does for Joe Root in Tess? Is, it's is a really a, marked difference. Is that a white ball, red ball thing? I think it's a, how he's used and he's, how he's asked to bowl. And basically in ODI cricket and t- T20s, he's trying to hit top of off with the occasional surprise bouncer. And that's exactly how you wanted to bowl, really. And that's how he bowled last, last summer in the Ashes. Yeah, I... I think that there's something to where Joff has lost, lost a bit of his sting, perhaps, in the Red Bull game. Is he, he wasn't bowling quickly, quickly. And there's always been, the quickest balls have always been bowled in one-day cricket. Because you've only, you know, you've, if it's a 2020, you've only got four overs. If it's in one day, you've only got 10 overs. So you see Mark Wood hit 95 when in a test, yeah. maybe more 92. And Joffre hitting 93, 94, rather than a test, 88, 89. And so I think perhaps he... He had a bit of a rest after the test series. He was feeling fit. He was feeling hungry. He was playing Australia. And so he ran in really hard and bowled quickly, as Wood did. And so I wonder if it's more that than he likes bowling. He bowled better areas as well. Because in the tests, I, I just hate it when we have enforcers because it's a waste of someone like Joffre. Because of his action, you can't tell when he's going to bowl a bouncer. It comes as a surprise. And That's one of his main strengths. But if he's bowling bouncer after bouncer, batsmen are ready for it. And the enforcer idea is so dumb. Like, all the best seamers, all really good seam attack or bowling attack. I mean, most, occasionally get some like a Mitchell Johnson in the ashes where he was bowling absolute thunderbolts. The but, best enforcer in the world is Neil Wagner. Yeah, Yorker, he's Bowls, Yorker Bouncer, Yorker Bouncer. But, yeah, but he's incredible. I love him. He is good. Most, if you, if, take Australia, like a Pat Cummings and, and Josh Hazelwood, just bowling good length, occasional bouncer, like, that's it. That, that's pressure enough. That's enforcing enough. That is it. That's how I want Joffre to bowl in Test cricket. That's why I want him to be used in Test cricket. And I don't think he's maybe not bowling fast enough, but I always think it's difficult to expect to bowl rapid all the time. But I think as long as he's bowling mid eighties, the right line with the surprise bouncer, and his paces go up and down, he'll still be a threat. Yeah, I mean, I think he bowled fine with the red ball, but it was great to see him bowl really, really well in the in the ODIs. And also Chris Wokes as well, just just a shout out. Like that second um, that second game, we were dead and buried, and Archer helped. But I really thought Wokes the way he tore through them, bold after bold after bold, was amazing. Yeah, superb. And Chris Wokes is a good one to uh, to bring up because I was thinking, who's my? And we'll talk about this now. Who, who's your England player of the summer? And for me, it's Chris Wokes. For for a couple of reasons. I think one that, you know, bowled superbly well in that most recent ODI series, particularly in that second game where we um, brought it back to one all, as he said, those, those three uh, wickets he took. Um, but then his performance, particularly against Pakistan, bowled superbly, took loads of wickets. And then him with Joss Butler in that, in that test match that we won before rain spoiled the latter part of the series was fantastic. And when you think going into a series with, you know, Broad around the sun and Wooden Archer, Wokes is just kind of that one in between who we didn't pick in our initial test team for the first West Indies test. And yet he was a play before more consistently bowled 
pretty much as consistently as anyone. And then into the ODRs as well, performed brilliantly. He's, along with Stuart Broad, who I imagine might be yours, he's my England player of the summer. No, Stuart Broad's not mine. He got angry at Jonathan Lee on Twitter and um, he's disqualified himself. It's a real shame. Oh, my word. No, don't give me that. that no, also, so... no, also, he actually wasn't actually on my... You, my shortlist, actually, was Zach Crawley, Josh Butler and Chris Wokes. Um, but Stuart Broad had a, had a, hell, of a, a hell of a summer, it brought himself right back, fair play. But I guess I'm combining the ODIs as well. I'm also just... I've, the, the announcement of Zach Crawley, his arrival, I thought that was stunning you know, against a good attack. And that's why he jumped straight to the top of my list, even though he didn't play in the ODIs and T20s. Um, but, so maybe... No, I think that's... But, I think it's cool. It was fantastic, but it was it was one innings against a, against a, a fading and tired young Pakistan bowling attack. I think for him to be player of the summer... Of the, it was, it, maybe for me, not, maybe not. moment of the summer. For me, that may well be a moment of the summer, certainly one of them. But I think for him to be player based off that one innings... No, maybe not. Chris Wokes is probably a good shout because he came out of nowhere, terrible form of the bat, turned it around in that game. He's bowled brilliantly throughout the summer. Again, proven how wonderful a bowler he is at home with the red ball, also with the white, but particularly with the red ball. And he's just lovely, isn't he? Also unrecognisable with his new look. My dad was watch- my dad strolled past as I was watching. He went, who's that? And I was like, it's Chris Wokes. And he did not recognise him at all with his long hair and his beard. Almost as good as my beard, Rob. Um, Josh Butler's the other name as well, to be fair. Sorry, that comment, almost as good as your bit. For, for our tens of listeners out there who can't see Michael's face currently and haven't seen him recently, he's grown a, I, I suppose you can only describe it as a face fungus. Sort of <laughs> patches here and there. He looks like, if you want to um, look it up, if you look up Jack Letts, Jahadi Jack, who was a lad from Oxfordshire who went and joined ISIS. That's what Michael Michael looks like him basically with his sort of dreadful face. Oh, oh, I wish, I wish he had a great beard. Um, but anyway, gone. Yeah, I mean Butler. He, he's the other one. Proved me wrong, uh, didn't he, with the red ball? Because um, that was a great innings with Chris Wokes, and he back and yeah, he turned it around after a poor start this summer. I'm still not convinced. I'd always have him in the team as keeper, but I always have him in the team. Put it like that because he originally came back as a specialist batsman as Ed Smith, and I could see that happening again at some point when they need folks for standing up to the spinners in the subcontinent. But yeah, Josh Butler's definitely in the shout, I would say. But oh, I'm probably going to agree with you about Chris Wokes, actually, because I do love Chris Wokes. So there we have it. Chris Wokes, our player of the summer. Then moment of the summer, uh, whether it's a single ball, or we can have an innings, a spell. Yeah. <laughs> Can I? I'm going to go a bit rogue here. Watching Joss Butler and Ben Stokes walk out to open the batting in the test match is up there for me at the moment of the summer. It didn't work, but I was so excited for about two minutes. Nice. Nice. I like that. Yeah, fine. You get those. I had that in my moment of the ODIs and the, and the limited overs series with Tom Curran, the bit between him having hit the first six and before the, the ball to, would be a second six to win the game, which of course didn't happen. Well, just that moment where you think, no, surely not. Um, <laughs> but you know, my, my moment of the summer is a slightly more personal one in a sense, is uh, Dom Sibley's century against the West Indies. Uh, for a couple of reasons. I think obviously he's already got a test century against South Africa, but getting another one at home, I think was really good and important for him. I think it established himself as a, as a definite him as a 
key member, good, solid opening batsman for England going forwards. You know, not there was necessarily big doubts over his place, but I think him getting another century was really important. But for me, he he was growing up as a kid. He was the the like great batsman in the sort of South London Surrey prep school cricket scene, if you like. Uh, I remember playing against him, age 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, and you have always, everyone has these people and they very rarely make it. But to see him there, opening the bats and batting for England, scoring a century for England at home. Yeah, there was, there was something quite, oh, it was just really nice to see. Like fair play, He's, he struggled at first at Surrey, had to move to Warwickshire. Uh, people criticised him for his technique, he bats too slowly. But he's ultimately, the talent that was there as a young kid, age 9, 10, 11, turned into realised potential, scoring test match centuries for England as an opening batsman. It was really great. So that's my moment of the summer. Uh, um, Good to finish that story for you there as well, Rob, because didn't you get him out? Or am I, or am I imagining I that? I did get him out, yes. In the under- Were you hoping I was going to ask? I was hoping. I didn't want to say it, but I'm pleased to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, I had him caught an extra cover by Harry. That's why this podcast works. I know what you wanted there. <laughs> um, what about you then? Moment of the summer? Actually, I, I'm, uh, it would it almost those two walking out to bat, but um, because I'm such an Adil Rashid fan. I'm going this beard in honour of him, really. Um, and it was his googly to, uh, to Finch. That was such a good ball. And as a pretty rubbish leg spinner who can basically only bowl googly, I love a good googly. And I love it when the batsman is so done, hook, line and sinker. So for me, that was my moment of the summer. Nice. I think shout-outs, of course. I mean, innings of summer in many ways, that Crawley double ton. What a way to announce himself as instead. I think also, don't forget Ben Stokes in the second test match against the West Indies. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Um, the Butler is... Pretty incredible bat and ball. Yeah, the, the Butler and Wokes partnership against Pakistan. I think Dom Sibley waiting four months to play any cricket and then leading a straight one from Sheldon Cottrell at the start of the summer was, was a good moment. Um, it's, a, it's feast or famine though, isn't it? With, um, with our openers. They either go really big with a really good opening partnership or one of them's gone in the first two overs leaving yeah. a straight one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. They're doing a good job, but it is that way. It does seem to go that way. Definitely. I, I think other things are the the collapse of Australia in that in the 2020 that we that we won the comeback against them in the ODIs as well. The um, collapse in the one dayers. Yeah, there's all, all all. It has been a really good and memorable summer of cricket. Just a lot of good games. A lot of good games that went down to the wire and which changed direction a few times. Because that's the mark of a good game when different teams have the upper hand and it goes back and forth and that happened all the time this summer although not towards in the, the test series they petered out a bit because I think the touring parties got really sick of being in hotels the entire time I imagine and away from home and well, so the, the cricket weather, was the weather, and the weather as well series it just yeah. rained so much in Southampton it was sunny everywhere else in the country it kept raining in Southampton well we know about that don't we Rob uh, well yes um, Michael and I went to the Cricket World Cup in Southampton and it rained all day. Does it count as going to the Cricket World Cup? I suppose it does. We saw like three overs. Yeah, I saw three or four overs. We got photos all the all the right places. We took part in all of the free activities. We did. All of we the to... like beanbag throwing. Yeah, and... we went to American Golf across the, the motorway and pretended we were buying putters as we had a little putting competition. It was a good yeah, time. But... but it does seem to rain more in Southampton than you'd expect, given it's on the south coast. 
or maybe that's just my perception and, and not reality. Um, but hey, but, but anyway, good summer, very good, good summer, very good summer, and it hasn't quite ended yet because the Bob Willis Trophy final is underway. Essex Somerset. Who who do you want to win, Michael? I want Somerset to win. I think Essex will win. Okay, well, I, I want Essex to win because uh, I'm I like Alistair Cook basically so much. He's <laughs> a person. They've and won I mean, enough they've, though. They've I won know, enough. I wanted to win everything. Yeah, fair. I mean, I love Alistair Cook. We all love Alistair Cook. But Somerset never gets to win anything. I I really want. So, I I like Tom Abel. He's a yeah, man who's making the most of his talent. He's a super. He's a very very good player. Uh, Tom Abel. I wonder, as he's Somerset captain now, of course. I wonder. I wonder if he will get a chance with England as and when. I don't think he's good enough, personally. I think his average until this year and maybe the year before was pretty low. I, I'm not convinced he's international. I think he's a bit of a county stalwart. That's probably my guess. But he may well get a chance at some point. Um, who do you think is going to win? I think Essex. Obviously, they started very well and then Somerset came back a little bit. I think it's about 119 for four now at the close day one. So by the time I've edited this podcast, Somerset probably will have won by an innings. And both our predictions that Essex are going are gonna to win it will, will look foolish. But I am... Um, yeah, I'll I, tell you what, if Somerset win by an innings, Craig Overton will have played a big part. He will have I, might, I think I might have to reform my opinion of Craig Overton, as I seem to keep having to do this summer, um, <laughs> with all the players I think aren't good enough, because he seems to have added the yard of pace, he's bowling brilliantly. He, he's probably due another chance of England, you'd say. Maybe. I think in, England are stocked up well with bowling options at the moment. I'd have him... Seventh or eighth, well, maybe not quite seventh or eighth, but certainly behind still Broad, Anderson, Archer. No, yeah, it's still a fair bit behind, but words. So he's what seventh, Shall Seymour, in my but opinion. probably will get some kind of a chance at some point soon. I'd say. Um, yeah. An interesting Jamie Overton's left there, left Somerset, gone to Surrey. Yes, he he has. Well, everyone loves a good juicy pay packet. Play for Surrey. Uh... Live live south of the river, the best place in the world. Um, Bump into Robert at uh, Wimbledon Village, Sainsbury's. It's the dream. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer uh, living in Wimbledon, sadly. So I've, I've got a new Sainsbury's that I go to in Richmond. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I do think Essex will win, going back to that. Well, they've won the title two of the last three years. They're, just, they're gritty, aren't they? I mean, they've got Cook at the top of the order. They've got, for me, the best bowler in county cricket, um, Simon Harmer. I just think he's so good. They've got other very good seamers. Jamie Porter is very unlucky, I think, to have not got a chance for England all the last few years. And they've got the better batting lineups decent. I like, I love Ryan Tedescarta, even though he's almost 40 now. Um, and I just, yeah, you just kind of back them to win it, don't you? Would you say they're on top? How's it? How is it at the moment? It's 119 for four, so fairly even. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. It's not been a high scoring summer. No, they, they perhaps would like to make a bit more of the of the cloudy conditions today because it's meant to be better weather from, from tomorrow. Uh, but, but we'll see how it pans out. But um, on the Bob Willis Trophy more broadly, it's been a, a rip-roaring success as well. The ECB have got a lot right this summer. Yeah, no, I, I, fair play to the ECB. They get a lot of stick and I think they might have accidentally stumbled upon a format that could work for the future of counter-championship cricket um, because we've spoken in this podcast before as of, as of our guests, your uncle, um, about the fact that there needs to be a shake-up for, something to, for it to work. Splitting into smaller groups, kind of a knockout competition, 
of sorts with a final it's a really good it's a really good way and it makes it a bit more interesting i think it puts a bit more on the line and it has the best teams playing you know the weaker teams but as long as there's a div one and a div two there's certain teams that are never going to get out of div two and there's, the gap's just going to keep growing between Surrey and the others i really i've really liked it yeah i i think it's been great uh it, it it'd be interesting to see whether they so far they suggested they won't it's been a one-off um but it'd be interesting to see if they if it does make a, a return or it may be i mean who knows i mean the whole the whole world is up in up in the air at the moment certainly professional sport is um with no no one all behind closed doors until march so who knows what the lay of the land will be come the start of the next season but it's been it's it's, it's worked really well as a format and I'll be interested to see if they opt, if they opt for it again, particularly given it can allow for you can therefore limit make slightly fewer first class games, which means you can put them at better times of the year, tie it in and move it around the hundred. I, th- I think it, it just adds a bit more flex rather than being stuck with a load of home and away first class games all through the seasons, but a load at the start, a load at the end, and trying to shovel the limited overs in the middle. I think with a slightly more slimmed down, more focused format like the Bob Willis Trophy, it can be given greater centrality and importance again, perhaps. No, definitely. Well, fingers crossed that someone at the ECB, but they probably don't listen to this podcast, but hopefully they hear our message somehow. Credit where credit's due. They're easy to, like with any governing body or government for that matter, they're easy to criticise, but... They've they've done a lot right this summer. I think I think it's worked so well. The uh, the two venues, the international cricket, uh, the Bobbles Trophy, getting rid of the hundred was a bold, probably a necessary call, but nonetheless was like a bold one given all they put into it. I, I think they've really got it right. Yeah, and the T twenties have still been run okay. Um, and obviously the uh, the finals day, is it being done as a finals day? I'll be honest. I've slightly, I've slightly disconnected from the T20 this year. I've just about kept up with the Bob Willis Trophy and obviously all the international stuff. The T20s, I've been a little bit disconnected from, but it seems to be run successfully. I've watched a few different highlight clips and it's been fun. It's now overshadowed by the IPL. I mean, most England squads are playing in the IPL. Um, Joffre is hitting 27 off four, off two balls. Sorry, two oh, leagues. Wonderful. Um, Sam Curran played very well in the first game. For me, like my cricketing focus is starting to go towards the IPL and the on the Bob Willis Trophy, of course, because I, I love a bit of Red Bull cricket. But uh, the, for me, yeah, the T20 Blast has this is a year I've I've largely missed. That I will say more more runs than Joffre scored in his entire ODI career so far. That's that the, one innings that's in those two balls. Wow, that is we've got to tap into it somehow. One yeah. of those sixes was ginormous. It just kept going up and up and up. It's tiny boundaries, flat pitches, but nonetheless, it was, it was a big hit. Uh, and yeah. Well, look, Michael, I think that's all we've, we've got time for. A nice little wrap-up of the, of the summer of cricket. We're probably going to have one or two more episodes just right as we head into the autumn, and then we'll take a break, won't we? Um, yeah. Come but, back stronger in time for the overseas uh, subcontinent tours. Yeah, exactly. But this certainly won't be the last one of this series, so hopefully we'll have another podcast out in a week or two discussing perhaps a slightly more weighty issue, uh, but more of that to come. Uh, have a great rest of the week, mate. Glad you're feeling better. And um, Cheers, pal. see you soon. Yeah, see you soon, buddy.
you, buddy. Yeah, see you soon, buddy. Yeah, see you soon, buddy. Uh, have a great rest of the week, mate. Glad you're feeling better. And um, Cheers, pal. See you soon. Yeah, see you soon, buddy. Better. And um, Cheers, pal. See you soon. Yeah, see you soon, buddy. See you soon, buddy. See you soon, buddy. See you soon, buddy. Yeah, see you soon, buddy.